That is the Four Tops, Shake Me, Wake Me, When It's Over, from about 1965, and this is episode 299 of PZ's podcast, entitled Kolchak and Corona. And I'm going to start, I have a word of hope, I have a word that has certainly given me hope, and I feel uh, invested with hope, partly because of a terrific sermon I heard in person uh, yesterday, although I heard a couple of wonderful sermons online. Today, yesterday was full of church. I think Mary and I counted between us, we had been to five different services, three of them online. And um, the uh, uh, taboo word, which I want to just bring up at the beginning, the taboo word, uh, which I think was even a headline in the New York Times yesterday, is overreaction. Sometimes when the public panic is at such a high level and the public fear is so um, impermeably entrenched in the atoms uh, which surround us on every side, uh, a, 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 a voice which cries in the wilderness and says, wait just a minute, a little bit, uh, that voice gets lynched and uh, extirpated uh, and uh, deleted as quickly as possible. Isn't there a line in, um, in, uh, in Eliot about uh, um, someone who is going in, the, in, the, in, in a different direction than everyone else will appear to be running away? Um, the question of overreaction is legitimate because we're not dealing with the bubonic plague. I don't know if you saw Jacques Demy's very well-done movie entitled The Pied Piper. It's not really true to Jacques Demy because it was written by some very anti-Christian and anti-religious uh, screenwriters from England. Um, the movie is good, but um, it, it has to do with the bubonic plague in the Middle Ages. And when one person gets one little tiny splotch on them, it is a sentence of death. It's not as if you get the bubonic plague and then 2% or 4% or 5% or 10% or 1.2% um, die, it's a 100% mortality rate in this particular disease. And we're not dealing with that. We're dealing with something very serious, but it is not the bubonic plague. And um, the overreaction uh, question is legitimate, albeit taboo. I'll just say that right off the bat. I myself take that line to some extent. I'm certainly aware of many, many, many situations, and I'm thinking about churches right now, where closure is the only option, such as Christchurch, Georgetown, or St. Paul's Chattanooga, or the parish in Fort Worth, and many others, even Janet's church in uh, 
uh, Beverly Hills and, and many others. But uh, yesterday was probably the last chance we're going to have for a few weeks to have any kind of public worship, if the option were there. And I was disappointed, uh, not just in the Episcopal churches, but in the um, in the um, in the sort of mainstream churches overall, a little quick to to close, a little quick, especially what we're facing soon. And what a lot of people don't know is, in actual fact, Episcopal bishops do not have the canonical authority to suspend worship by mandate in their parishes. There may be a few that have special canons in their dioceses, but Ian Douglas was absolutely correct the Bishop of Connecticut, when he said it is not canonically possible, legal for him to mandate suspended services in every parish. He just doesn't have the canonical authority to do that in our polity, although he can recommend it and did so. And I respect that completely. But that's even a side point. Let's put overreaction and the taboo word. I believe it. But let's put that on the side and let's talk about something um, uh, more uh, relevant. Um, and that is the supernatural power of God. I'm currently writing, I'm very deep into the manuscript of a new book for Mockingbird. I believe it will be called, I hope it will be called, where it's now tentatively, but I prefer it, the title at this point, is A Mockingbird Handbook for Boomers Finding Peace and Hope in the Last Third of Life. And I've uh, therefore been dealing with the whole issue, both of intimations of mortality and, to quote the proper title from Wordsworth, intimations of immortality in the face of bodily depreciation, shall we say. So while the, uh, a, a plague can hasten the bodily degeneration, to say the least, um, the interest of the dying body in an eternal... Um, Homestead, to quote Paula White from yesterday's brilliant sermon at New Destiny, I mean uh, City of Destiny in Apopka, Florida, the uh, destiny of hope for the homesteader in the kingdom of God because he sat down after defeating the principalities and powers. He sat down at the right hand of God, and we sit with him, according to the New Testament. We are to be seated next to him. And uh, our homestead uh, in the eternity is um, very much part of my thinking. So I'm thinking uh, quite a, a lot about this, and I want to say really just two things in this brief podcast, and then we're going to close with what has to be also one of the very, very great anthemic songs by the Four Tops, Something About You. That keeps me loving you. Um, the first thought comes out of the television series, Kolchak, the Night Stalker, from the early 70s, with Darren McGavin. I love the show. You do, too. And we've all grown up with it. And if you haven't, it's available. And it's uh, sort of fairly cheap 70s photography and production values. But it has one interesting conceit. <clears throat> Kolchak is somebody who always gets to the root of what the real problem is, which almost always is supernatural or fantastic. It is, aliens are sometimes a problem, but also werewolves, vampires, uh, supernatural vampires, Transylvanian vampires, mummies, Aztec mummies, zombies, um, uh, uh, reptilian creatures that live in the um, sewers, uh, all sorts of things. And, and uh, one remarkable robot episode, Mr. Ring, R-I-N-G, that is one of the most inspired uh, teleplays ever produced. But um, the uh, conceit is that the public authorities are always trying to prevent word getting out of an inexplicable serial murderer or an inexplicable 
criminal phenomenon that they don't want anyone, like the reincarnation of Jack the Ripper, for example, that they don't want anyone to know about so as to stem public panic. And Kolchak, who is always looking for the truth, is constantly in these episodes, I would say in nine out of ten of them, is pitted against the police chiefs and the mayors and the, uh, the public attorneys and the DA who are trying to suppress the information that Kolchak himself has dug up out of concern for public panic and public welfare. Now, when you see it, you're always rooting for Kolchak, Carl Kolchak, played by Darren McGavin, because he knows what's true, and he, he's always finding an answer which is above and beyond anything conceivable, but it's the only possible explanation for the particular phenomenon that is vexing and destroying the city of Seattle, for example, in Kolchak, the Night Strangler, or Las Vegas in Kolchak, the Night Stalker, or L.A. in other episodes. And... Um, you're on his side because the others are trying to suppress uh, 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 a, uh, a facts that would lead to public consternation and unsettlement and even total rout, a panic. And, and yet I just think of myself today, we're in the exact opposite situation where the... Um, because of all sorts of reasons, the, uh, quote, transparency, the one thing you cannot do if you're in charge is to underreact. Uh, if you underreact, the all hell breaks loose and people will say, you know, act as if the worst case scenario is on you. This is what they're all saying. You're better safe than sorry. I've heard that a million times. I heard it on airport security years ago. Now it's the current mantra. So, if there's 1% chance of possibility, shut everything down. Now, again, I'm not criticizing. I'm just, although I am criticizing, but I'm struck by the fascinating way in which the times have changed, in which in, which, uh, in Kolchak it's a minority of one against the state, and now it's the, the state and the power of the world's thinking and uh, absolute zero-sum, total shutdown, Everything, if there's even a possibility, or even if there's a small chance of this, that, or the other thing, uh, and it's simply the exact opposite. It's fascinating how the um, the world's view of of what the public ought to know or can know. And I suspect that there was something to the world in which Kolchak was filmed, and I was part of that world. Um, something to it, because uh, the panic that I see all around me seems to me um, to uh, be uh, a little bit in advance of the actual reality. Um, now that's the first point, and you can take it for what it's worth, but we live in a very, a world in which uh, attitudes and uh, opinions and uh, uh, emotional, attitudinal context is extremely mercurial, so don't take too seriously as a Christian, there's nothing enduring about it, because you, we could that be a, in a Carl Kolchak world, and then everything would be suppressed, and there would be no, every night a new figure of how many people have contracted this, that, or the other thing. It would be entirely the opposite. <clears throat> and, uh, the point more than ever is to simply say, what is really enduring here? And I would say an enduring truth is that we have a big problem that needs to be directly confronted and is probably being directly confronted. But be alert uh, and, and remember there is a, uh, there's that, that taboo word overreaction may in fact cover something of what we'll look back upon. And I'll leave it at that. Now, the other thing is the supernatural power of God. Now, you know that I've been a little bit more alerted to that element in Christianity than I used to be, partly because of my own experience and uh, in the last four or five years. And uh, that has led me to be a little more skeptical about uh, lists of, uh, of prayer points or even um, Christian comments that seem to be more horizontal than vertical, as in the purpose of good religion or positive Christianity 
uh, is to get us through this and to let us know that we are not alone in it. We are accompanied always by it. And our prayer is for acquiescence, is for um, those who are caring for those who are sick, uh, give them renewed uh, energy and protection and especially uh, resolve and uh, creativity in terms of uh, uh, testing and make uh, you might say that our prayers are primarily directed to the horizontal facts and uh, gaps in the situation and I don't deny that for a second I'm very happy to pray for it but someone used a sermon I think I read it was sort of love and soap <laughs> and I we love one another yes we wash our hands yes completely agreed. But is that all? In other words, lists of kindness, goodness, reaching out to our neighbors, we'll get through it, bearing with it, knowing that God is with us in the dark night, and that the, the if there we will get through it, and there will be another day. All those things are right. But is that really the whole armor of God? Is that really all the arrows in the quiver? In my opinion, it's not. We have to also, I, I, I keep thinking, Mary was so good on this. She was outstanding. Uh, the other day on this. She said, first, um, uh, we need to just not talk so much about it. Uh, let's just stop looking at the internet every two seconds about how many cases are this or which communities are on lockdown. Let's just talk about something else as much as we can. B, um, uh, let's uh, uh, really pray. Let's. Uh, this is an opportunity to really pray to God for remediation and intervention in uh, this situation. And third, she said, do enjoy the time you have off. I mean, if you have a complete week off and you, someone I know, uh, he, he said, you know, I, I don't think I'm needed this week in Washington, so I'm not going to go up. I, they said uh, to me, he said, uh, I was told, you know, unless absolutely necessary, stay home. And I thought to myself, you know, that's a very busy guy. He would really, he'd like to have a week off. I'm wondering if he can really take it within himself. And so Mary's third point was, enjoy the week off you have, and I'm all with her there. I completely agree. But there's one other element which is to say, Mary also brought this out, um, Jesus in the boat was awakened by the disciples during the storm because, they, Lord, we, if you do not help us, we will perish. And he said, where is your faith? Have you no faith? And then he, um, what's the word, allowed for their lack of faith and stopped the storm. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? That was one of the first uh, uh, sentences you learned in starting elementary Greek. Who is this? T S T. I forget. Anyway, who is this whom even the waves and the waters obey? And that's an element that I find to be missing in the mainline account of where we are. And I want to bring that back to finish. There is nothing wrong in the arsenal of the Christian faith and any faith to nothing wrong with praying for the uh, epidemic to be uh, suppressed, the uh, coronavirus to be defeated, and uh, the people who have gotten it to survive by the hand of God, and those who are in acute um, phase of the illness, for them to be saved by the healing touch of God. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you don't have that in your, your overall approach spiritually to this, you have to ask yourself, why not? What is it about my faith that seems to uh, prejudge or be a little prejudiced against an old-fashioned faith that, God, you can do anything and you can heal this land? Um, I uh, was thinking about, uh, I keep wanting to say to people, haven't you read War of the Worlds? Or better, 
haven't you seen War of the Worlds? Now, there are two versions of it. One is the, uh, is the uh, Tom Cruise, is it? I forget. Tom Hanks is Tom Cruise. I think Tom Cruise is in it. I keep forgetting who's actually in it. There's the newer version, which is pretty good. And uh, pretty good. Well made. Great special effects. And I think Steven Spielberg directed it. And there's the... Um, the older version, George Powell version from 1954, I think, or 55, which is even better. And uh, have they not seen that? Uh, and H.G. Wells meant it. Everybody's praying in the church in the original version. And in the new version, everyone's sort of at their wit's end, um, uh, sort of walking in a living state of uh, walking death like zombies, having been defeated by the Martians, are walking in a state of total abject despair towards their homes, in this case in Boston. And in... Uh, in the uh, original, there's a group of Baptists slash Pentecostals praying in a church, mostly Hispanic in the original. There's a group of sort of Catholics praying with uh, to the Mass and to the Virgin and uh, receiving communion Mass before they die. And there's a group in a mainstream Presbyterian, probably Presbyterian or Episcopalian church where they're also praying. And one of these churches is blown up. I think it's a Catholic one by the Martian death ray. But suddenly there's an acute and deep silence. Everything stops. And... Um, they uh, walk out and they see that uh, a flying saucer has uh, a craft, a death ray craft. I'm looking at a model of one I have right here, uh, has crashed and uh, the door of it opens and a, a dying, pulsating greenish now instead of red, um, uh, suckered all over uh, tentacle of uh, the Martian invader. Uh, sort of falls out of the door and obviously dies right on the spot. And then Wells, who was, by the way, uh, very much an agnostic, really a functional atheist, until World War I came, which was his version of the coronavirus, <clears throat> and much worse, I might say, um, he said, you know, God in his providence, whoever would have thought that God in his providence would have sent a little tiny bacterium to infect and kill all the Martians. God and his providence, a little tiny bacterium. Well, golly, isn't that for us? Uh, the, the, the power of a uh, prayer, as George Powell clearly said it, and uh, even Joe Dante underlines that, but don't get down on George Powell for his religious ending of the original War of the Worlds movie in the 50s because he believed it. All the people gather together. Uh, the Martians are all destroyed by a supernatural intervention of a tiny bacillus against the aliens. And the last picture is you see all of these people on a ridge overlooking Los Angeles. It makes you cry just thinking about it. Everybody's on a ridge um, uh, overlooking uh, Los Angeles singing, um, Now Thank We All Our God. I think they're actually singing A Mighty Fortress Is Our God. It is amazing how that view uh, has been missing from the Christian witness in the main line. So when I went to Paula yesterday, I knew I wouldn't get, I thank God she was having a service in person, I knew I wouldn't get, um, uh, you know, something ridiculous or superstitious or, uh, or loopy, which is possible to get in a church like that. I knew that she would be um, an inspired person, and I had the feeling as she prayed mightily because of the President's Day of Prayer, which I kind of suspect she was behind um, up there, uh, as she prayed mightily for us at, at great length at the end for the country, for the coronavirus epidemic, and for a number of other things, for the economy, I had this distinct sense in myself that it's probably over. Now, let me say what I mean by that. It's not over in terms of its expression. There are many people probably who have it that don't know they have it, 
And there are many people who are probably going to die, especially older people, almost entirely older people, who will die. And it's a terrible and tragic thing. But for some reason, I felt, as a result of her prayers, that at the deepest level, that the... Uh, that the power of the infection, maybe it has to do with warmer weather. I mean, it's in the 90s today where I'm sitting right here. Whether it will have to do with the warmer weather, whether it will have to do with other, you know, extraordinary measures that have been taken. But I had the feeling that somehow within, underneath the, underneath what we are seeing, the, uh, the virus may be on the way out, albeit the effects of what it has done prior to this, which have not been fully recognized or seen yet in this country, may appear to be gargantuan. I just had this feeling, and I wanted to share it with you, in the same way that Jesus stilled the storm, that at some level the thing has been, uh, has been challenged in the same way that the alien Martians, uh, without the slightest idea, were finally under the total and complete uh, intervention and judgment of God in War of the Worlds. Well, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll take that for what it's worth, whatever you may think it's worth. I certainly believe it. And now we have this Something About You Baby. (laughs) 